Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Rob. We're a writing team from New Jersey with a passion for film. An aggressive, all-consuming passion. Well, whenever we see a news article we find, like, insane, uh, immediately it's... How can we make a movie out of this? Every episode we read a crazy article from different sources and tumble down our own rabbit hole. Discussing cast, crew, and plot. And then we hash out a pitch for a feature film. So, join us as we BS about movies and ask the important question... What do you got? What do you got? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, and anyone in between, thank you for listening. This is What Do You Got, episode 36. We are on our way to 40, which, again, as we stated, will be a uh, guest star episode every 10. Um, oh, God, we're on our way to 40. We are on our way to 40. <laughs> in more ways than one, right? I haven't done anything. In more ways than one. We've done this. What are you talking about? <laughs> if this isn't the epitome of achievement in your life, then I don't know what is, sir. I have two Emmys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but like, do you really? That's a good point. (laughs) Garage in a while. (laughs) And it flooded, so. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, speaking of, uh, anyone located in the Jersey, New York, you know, tri-state area, uh, hope you guys fared okay during the flood. Uh, Our studio flooded, so we are recording from home. Um, Nothing, no equipment got damaged as far as I'm aware, correct, Rob? No, just uh, just the carpet. No, it, okay. it smells. It smells of must. So it I smells can... terrible. <laughs> yep, it smells like constant wet dog, which is not a cologne I want to wear. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so this is episode thirty-six. We're we're going fast and strong. This episode will be out on Thursday as planned, which will be the ninth. Of September, we are recording this on Labor Day, so I hope you all had a great Labor Day. For those of you who are listening, it's today. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know why that threw me off so much. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't make sense the more you unpack it. <laughs> I know. Uh, this article was uh, brought to the table by Rob. Now, before we get into this, I will say that there have been one documentaries on this subject. There is also a movie coming out on this subject. But the way that we tend to pitch movies is we try not to do what the article is. So whatever we pitch today will most likely not be the movie that they're making directly based on this subject. Mm -hmm. Um, And as always, without further ado, I'm going to pass it off to Rob and he's going to talk us through this one. Um, So before we start, uh, it's just kind of had me floored for the last five minutes uh, right before we hit record on this. Uh, I just saw the news that one of my favorite actors has passed away, Michael K. Williams Oh, uh, of really? The Wire and Boardwalk Empire, uh, Gone Baby Gone, uh, uh, The Road. Uh, it's, yeah, I've, I've never had to record immediately after seeing this kind of news. Jesus. Uh, it's really throwing me for a loop. Uh, if, if you're not familiar with Michael Williams' work, uh, The Wire and Boardwalk Empire, two of the best TV shows of all time. I mean, yeah, even beyond that, 12 Years a Slave, and yes. uh, he was in recently Lovecraft Country as well, mm-hmm. which uh, he's unfortunately canceled actor. somehow. Yeah. Jeez, this he, literally just happened, huh? Ju- yeah, I just saw uh, a writer friend posted it on uh, Facebook, like, right right before you joined the Oof, recording session. Jesus. Uh, feels weird, my head's kind of spinning. 
but uh, we'll try and have some fun with the podcast today. But yeah, that is an actor that I think any project would have been privileged uh, to have on their cast. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a shame we can't put him in these projects we like imagining. However, and I don't want to go too deep into this because obviously this just happened, but I do have the idea to do an episode one day uh, in the near future where we do get to cast people who are no longer with us, you know, like whether it's 50s actors, whatever. I I do Mm -hmm. want to do an episode where we can kind of do an all star cast. Yeah, that would be outstanding. Um, That way we're not honed in by by only people of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that is that is quite unfortunate. Uh, You know, thoughts and, 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 and happy thoughts and stuff to his family. I hope they're they're doing okay right now during this time, obviously, especially for any type of celebrity that the families go through. I could never imagine what they go through during these times because of the amount of, you know, fucking paparazzi and all that stuff just going to be crowding around them. So I, I wish yeah. them the best. Yeah, uh, I just I just felt like I had to acknowledge it before I jumped in. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's going to be a couple days old news when everyone listens to it. Yeah, but yeah, just had to, to shout out you know one of the people I admire most in the business. So uh, now let's go in the other direction with people who should not be admired for their business. Um, <laughs> segways by Rob Dickerson. Uh, oh, you make those? <laughs> <laughs> no, the guy who invented segways drove a segway off a cliff. <laughs> he was trying to get to another topic. Uh... <laughs> so um, the story of Elizabeth Holmes and the Theranos blood testing company uh, has been a topic of fascination for the last couple of years. Uh, she is going on trial this week at long last. Um, the article that uh, we'll be posting along with this is from Vanity Fair, and it's uh, part of the story that I was not super familiar with, which is how things were at that company after the stories started breaking that they were a big phony. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting how the the article takes a closer look into not what was going on um, with the trials and, and all the fraudulent charges and everything, but what was going on inside the company with all yeah. the employees and how they handled it. Which I was completely unfamiliar with. You know, I'd seen the documentary on HBO, and that goes a lot more into the actual story of Theranos and what they they were doing. Uh, that caused the downfall, but mm-hmm. I will recap for folks at home who are not familiar with Elizabeth Holmes or Theranos. Which happens to be me, because I never heard of any of this until two, three days ago when Rob sent me the article. I'm, um, such, a, I'm such a junkie <laughs> for, for stories like this. I've been just, I've, I yeah. think I've had a Google alert on it for a year and a half. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so Elizabeth Holmes uh, was a uh, student at Stanford uh, University. Uh, don't believe she finished she's one of those people who decided it was their destiny to change the world. Um, she's someone who very clearly modeled herself after people who had enormous success in Silicon Valley and in business. Uh, she notoriously wore black turtleneck sweaters because Steve Jobs did that. Mm-hmm. Um, she, it's, it's <clears throat> creepy to me that you can actually find uh, audio recordings of her uh, she lowered her voice into like a baritone so people would take her more seriously. But a couple times her natural speaking voice slipped out, which is much higher. Which uh, that does that does, you know, pose a question of, you know, women in leadership roles like that is interesting from not from a standpoint of this woman is obviously a friggin sociopath. And we will get into that. But the fact that a woman would have to do that to lower her voice to be taken more seriously in, in a place of business, that is an interesting, interesting topic to to 
uh, delve into as well. Yeah. So she eventually had the the idea, um, and it is like a good kernel of an idea. They just didn't make it happen. That blood testing uh, is a really sort of laborious and long and intensive process when you go to the doctors and you have to have blood work done. You know, they have to draw a few vials of it. It's going to go out to the lab. It's going to get tested. It's going to come back. The results have got to be gone over on these charts and everything. Um, Her idea was to have a machine that you could even have in your own home at one point where you just put your finger in it and it pricks it and it does a blood test based on a very small sample of blood uh, and gives you the results immediately. Um, If it sounds too good to be true, uh, especially if you've had family who have to have blood work done all the time, Mm -hmm. it is too good to be true. Uh, I actually, sorry, Rob, I don't mean to cut you off. I I actually have a question about that because I know you've been following this article and stuff. Is there any divulgence into the science behind what they were doing like what what were what were their actual logical answers to we can get the information doctors can from a small prick of blood as opposed to vials scientifically there wasn't an answer okay um it's again it's a good conceptual idea and it seems that she expected that if they got all this funding that they would make it happen yeah and it's, they didn't because it's so hard to get accurate results from a very small sample of blood because you have to parse through all this blood and find different markers and find different antibodies and find viruses. It's funny because it reminds me of, and the name is escaping me of which comedian it is. I I think it's Gary Goldman. I could be wrong. Um, there's a comedian out there who has a bit about how their cousin is, quote unquote, an inventor. But all they do <laughs> is come up with ideas. They don't make anything. They don't build anything. They yeah. just go. This is a great idea. I'm an inventor. No, you're not. You're just a guy that says <laughs> things. Yeah, that's that's the hook of the Theranos story and why yeah. Elizabeth Holmes is such a fascinating character. Is she didn't just have an idea that is good on paper. She is so bizarrely charismatic that tens and tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars were pumped into this company Yeah, by investors. Uh, people she got onto the, the board of directors were like Henry Kissinger and General, yeah. General Mattis. And all these people who just sort of bought what she was selling, even sometimes if there, there were stuff that was suspicious, as we found out going on, you know, Theranos developed a relationship with Walgreens that they mm-hmm. were going to do on-site testing at Walgreens. Um, and it turns out those machines either just didn't do anything or they would just take the blood that they got and do standard blood work on it. <laughs> And just send it out to actual labs. They had a test lab that they would show people, but nothing really like worked in it. Uh, it's 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 almost like if if Jurassic Park was just that like sort of moving room ride that they go on where they see the lab and they keep going. Yeah. That was there. <clears throat> yeah, it, it reminds me kind of like when you go to a museum and you see like I don't know Thomas Edison's workstation. It's like oh man, he worked here, but now it's just for show. There's yeah. nothing's going on there. <laughs> yeah. The light bulb's not going to turn on. It's a hundred yeah. <laughs> years old. Um, so this, this, you know, eventually, uh, uh, John, I, I have a hard time with his last name, but a, a great writer I, for the Wall Street Journal, John Kerry Rue. Uh, I, I think that's how you, at least that's out. how I was pronouncing it. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it looks vaguely French, which means I'm probably wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to What Do You Got, where we can't pronounce shit. <laughs> <laughs> We're just we're just very very Celtic boys, um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, eventually, you know, word of this got out, and it was a fairly difficult process for word to get out because Theranos was a little bit of a cult, 
like people who pointed out things that were wrong were like, you're not a team player. Do mm. you even want to be here? You can leave. And like, that's a very threatening environment to work in. So it Which took a while. I feel like most of us have been in that type of environment. I have worked for very big companies where it's been like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not fun. Morale goes way down real quick, especially among the lower, lower tier employees where it's just, we get nothing out of this, no matter what, you know? Yeah. Um, so once word of this got out, Forbes had originally, this is an incredible statistic, Forbes had originally valued Elizabeth Holmes' wealth based on what the company was purportedly going to be worth at $4.5 billion. Yeah. Uh, after lawsuits came out and they shut down their testing sites, they rewrote her wealth down to zero. That is <laughs> fucking incredible <laughs> what a burn <laughs> to in a relatively short period of time have your estimated net worth go from billions to what do you got in your pocket <laughs> um 25 cents and a stick of gum <laughs> yeah and what the the bent that this vanity fair article takes like really made me think about her mindset and start asking the question is this woman a sociopath who was just selling a fraud or was she honestly of the belief um, in defiance of common sense and evidence that she was a person of destiny and she could get this done. And I have to lean towards sociopath. And my main reasoning for that is through the article when they talk about how no matter how bad things were, no matter how many charges were brought against them, how many indictments, she was going around to her employees being like, how is everything? You good? We're doing great. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. She's a sociopath. Yeah. Um, the, the One of the takeaways of the article is she bought a, a Husky uh, yeah. named it Balto. And when she found out that Huskies have like more dog, uh, no, I'm sorry, wolf DNA yeah. than other dogs, she just started telling people that he was a wolf. Yeah. That's really the best insight into this person. I do absolutely recommend, by the way, for anyone, uh, HBO's documentary, The Inventor and ABC News podcast series, The Dropout. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think John Carreyrou has a book out or coming out i can't remember he does I have a, he has a book out because that yeah. is what the movie will be based on the yes. movie will be starring jennifer lawrence yes um which i can't wait for that because uh, I, I did read his his reporting in the wall street journal and the guy is such a hell of a writer that's going to be great material for a biopic it's it's evil steve jobs it's going to be great legit well i mean steve jobs was evil let's uh, let's be honest okay. here uh evil evil <laughs> steve jobs but without the ability to get things done evil <laughs> evil female steve jobs yeah. the the but, amount of people that are like steve jobs was such a genius yeah he was he was also a gigantic piece of shit yes and i hate people who defend him just yeah. being like no nah, he gave us the iphone <laughs> yeah so you know, the difference being steve jobs sort of could innovate yeah, uh, mm-hmm, as opposed mm-hmm. to this situation. So yeah, um, she once the company finally broke up uh, and and was planted in the ground where it belongs. She married the heir to a hotel empire, uh, <laughs> got pregnant, uh, had her trial delayed because you know pregnant, uh, and yeah, this just this past week it it finally began. They're going to start selecting the jury. Uh, how how she thinks she's going to get out of this, I don't know, but. Yeah, that is in brief the story of Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes, uh, which is endlessly fascinating, and I encourage everyone to read more about. It's it's crazy. It's been going on for nearly twenty years. I mean, she started the company in what two thousand three or so. She yeah, she dropped out of Stanford uh, uh, back around that time, and has been had been doggedly pursuing her dreams of getting rich in medical technology ever since. Yeah. And then, and then the company was defunct. I believe it said September of twenty eighteen or December of twenty eighteen. Uh, yeah, and, at the end uh, of the year. And now they're starting to choose the 
the jury for the trial, which is uh, very fascinating. So I'm curious how far or how close you went to this article, Rob. So why don't you do me a favor and tell me what do you got? <laughs> I like I like that. Uh, why don't you do me a favor? <laughs> you uh, fucking asshole. Oddly threatening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This whole podcast is just us threatening each other into creativity. <laughs> it really is. I love you, Dick. Um, you too, so um, I, I, the only thing I had a hard time with this was picking who I wanted to direct. Me um, too. That was the last thing I came up with. I could not find a director and I'm still not sold on mine. Um, the two I kind of settled on. And settled is the right word, just because I, I I can't really defend them as choices very strongly. But I either want to try out Aaron Sorkin, okay, um, or way into left field as Rob McElhenney. Interesting, okay. Um, who's, who's you know of Always Sunny in Philadelphia fame, and he's directing the Minecraft movie, which is yeah, be man. Fun. He's cultivating mass. Don't worry about he's it. Cul- he's cultivating craft. <laughs> he's cultivating craft. <laughs> Um, and just like once we flesh this out more, I think a name will more strongly pop out to me. But um, my movie is not about a uh, a biotechnology company. I wanted to take inspiration not just from uh, the story of Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes, but also a show I've been watching lately that I really really love called Mythic Quest on Apple TV. Oh, it's so good! Uh, it's excellent. And uh, completely unrelated to this. They're good at what they do. Um, (laughs) And also other stories uh, from the video game world of uh, developers like John Romero, uh, who was the original creator of Doom and things like that. So I distilled all of this into a story I think would be fun to tell about a AAA video game company uh, that is run by a guy who had enormous success in the 80s and has a sterling reputation uh, as a producer of video games, he's going to be played by Jeff Goldblum. Uh, his uh, his chief, um, what do you call it, software engineer, code writer for this next game they're going to work on is going to be Mindy Kaling. Uh, nice. And somebody who has jumped ship from uh, what is definitely not Activision Blizzard uh, is, <laughs> An- <laughs> is Anna Kendrick uh, as, as someone who does uh, character artwork designs. Now... What's going to happen over the course of the film is essentially they have sold the idea of a AAA game um, that is going to completely change the way the video games work. Um, hmm. It's going to—they're going to be like you know, games have been trending towards uh, multiplayer and massively multiplayer online experiences, and what we're going to do is we're going to bring people uh, such an incredible single-player experience. It's going to be like. The first time people saw The Wizard of Oz or Lawrence of Arabia, they're going to be so engaged with this story, they're not going to want to play with other people because they've got their own movie, um, which sounds really cool. I actually just got excited saying that. (laughs) (laughs) And as it turns out, somewhat similar to Theranos, they are a company that has started with that concept and started with someone who everyone believes in absolutely to the point where if you criticize him, you're a fucking moron. Uh, and they were going to work backwards from there, and it's absolutely not happening. And Anna Kendrick slowly discovers this as she's asked to make character designs for something that looks like a samurai, and also that <gasps> something that looks like a soldier of World War II. Uh, can anyone explain what the correlation is between these two things and how they're going to be in the game? And they can't, because it's just all these different departments thinking, I got to do a good idea for Jeff, uh, or do a good job for Jeff, 
and it's a bunch of puzzle pieces on a board and no one's assembling them. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like almost in a way I wanted to do social network is great, but it's like you're at the top the whole time with the social network, with the people at the top and yeah. seeing how it, how, how the sausage is made and how everything comes together and comes apart. Yeah. It would be a, a lot look, more. It's a look backwards. So, uh-huh. I think it would be a lot more fun to be with someone much lower on the chain as they uncover that there are a lot more problems here than I thought. Interesting, because, yeah, like you said, with Activision Blizzard, everything going on with them right now, it's a very hot topic, a hot subject to uh, to tackle on top of this subject, which is a very hot topic and subject to tackle. Hot topic. <laughs> Spencer's <laughs> gifts. Wait, what? Uh, so that's uh, that's my, my kernel of the idea for the movie. Uh, it's called No Questions Asked. And uh, yeah, so that's my my. Uh, homage to a lot of different video game stories over there. Who did you you did you choose a director or did you just go back and forth between Rob McElney and uh, and who was the other uh, Sorkin? Sorkin. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I ultimately didn't uh, pick between them because I was not sure at this point what kind of tone we would have ultimately settled on for gotcha. the elements of it. We'll wind up using okay, uh, or even if either of those will wind up being appropriate. They're just two names that kind of worm their way into my head just because they've worked on projects of a similar nature. Understood. Understood. Good, sir. Um, so that's that's what I'm uh, I'm bringing to the old potluck. Uh, Nick, what do you got? All right. So um, there is a movie I recently within the last couple months or so watched on Netflix. I believe I I might have spoken about it on the podcast already. And I know I messaged you about it to make sure you watched it. I don't know if you <laughs> did. But there's a movie on Netflix called I Care A Lot with Rosamund Pike and Peter Dinklage and Diane Wiest. Um, it's a fantastic film and I was immediately brought to that film while reading this article. Basically the premise of that movie, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it and no spoilers here, because I, I do recommend highly, uh, you watch it. Um, it is a woman who runs a, basically a legal guardianship for the elderly, but she does it just to siphon their money. Um, and she steals all their money, all their objects and, and all their ownings and things. Uh, she ends up doing this to a woman who is much more than she seems, um, Diane Weist, uh, who's uh, a gentleman happens to know her. And he is a part of possibly the mob, the Russian mafia, something like that. And she's finally met her match. Um, it's a very good film. Very well done. Uh, so I wanted to go that route. A little bit. I also took this back to uh, our episode on The Watcher of Westfield, um, where we started discussing the ideas of kind of real estate psychological thrillers. So (laughs) mine isn't exactly real estate, but it's a suburban thriller. Um, My director of choice, which again, I will say settled because I had way too much trouble trying to choose someone for this. Uh, My director of choice is Frank Oz. Um, who hasn't really directed much recently. His last full movie, I believe, was Death at a Funeral, which I know I've mentioned on the podcast as well. But he also did Stepford Wives, which is a very suburban thriller. Um, My film is basically about a woman who, in this small town in Illinois, is a city council member who is creating an organization to funnel money. Um, And she's basically stealing from all of the citizens of the town. Uh, A new family moves in, a husband and wife, who start kind of picking up on this. And they basically go up against her to try and stop her from continuing to siphon money, proving she's siphoning money, finding evidence, etc. 
And uh, basically the three of them go at it head to head throughout Mm. the rest of the film. Uh, My main, or I guess my titular character, her name is Darcy Lane, uh, who is my Elizabeth Holmes. The moment I saw her side profile in this Vanity Fair article, immediately I saw Annabelle Wallace. So Mm. she is my uh, choice for my city councilwoman, Darcy Lane. My uh, husband and wife, who are new to the neighborhood, are going to be played by my current favorite actress, Gina Rodriguez. And uh, mm, a gentleman in his, I believe, one of his first true turns at drama or psychological thriller uh, in Jake Johnson. Um, And I have the two of them acting as the family going up against uh, Annabelle Wallace throughout this. I originally started with the idea that maybe it's a lawyer who throws cases for the purpose of kickbacks, Mm -hmm. but I was immediately brought with the question, if this lawyer is constantly throwing cases, how is she getting new clients? Um, So that doesn't work. So I decided to go smaller scale and I went to the city council. I was thinking of doing money funneling through the school district, but I wanted to bring more of Theranos into it. So while it's not like a biotech uh, company, she is starting a company like a, a, a for-profit company that is funneling money. And it's about the husband and wife trying to stop her. Uh, the mm. title of my movie is something strange about Darcy Lane. Oh. And that is the film that I have come to pitch. I had a lot of trouble with this article because I, I wanted to go different because like, it's very similar. There is a lot of social network in this. There's also a lot of the circle, that movie with Emma Watson and, and Tom Hanks. I never saw that. I, I never saw the movie, but I know the premise and stuff. But a lot of it feels very similar to that. And like I said, a lot of it feels very similar to I Care A Lot. So I tried to steer a little bit away from that. But ultimately, I went that direction. I didn't want to cheat myself by choosing uh, the director of I Care A Lot just because I I felt like that was a little too on the nose. So I didn't (laughs) end up going with Jay Blakeson. But uh, my, my film's premise and theme, I would say, is very much in tune with that movie. Yeah, definitely. It's very interesting. So, so you you hadn't determined like what what the actual sort of uh, I can't think of the word scam of it is. I haven't. No, basically, okay. it was just the idea that she's creating a company where I wanted the character of Darcy Lane to use a lot of vernacular and stuff that the town would be like, oh, that sounds great. This is great, but it doesn't mean anything. It's all fluff, you know. Mm-hmm. She's not saying anything of substance. She's just using buzzwords. <laughs> I love it. Maybe some kind of like big town development project that's not going to Yeah, go it could be a real estate thing similar to the Watcher uh, episode. Um, it felt very much, remember when I text you about doing that kind of uh, the sketch I want to write, which is just about the people that are like, you know, a startup company that has the most generic buzzwords and you have no <laughs> idea what the company actually does. Yes, yes, that was a, that was a fun message. <laughs> <laughs> you just go into the interview and they're like, hear it, you know, generic circle central we truly believe in passion and making sure that our our employees mental health is at the forefront of our imagination all right cool but like what do you guys develop we develop creativity based on our employees input okay but like what's the product what do you guys sell (laughs) we gotta find that message shane we had some some gems in there (laughs) uh but yeah so that was the the film premise that i came up with well, I like that a lot. Small town stuff is a lot of fun. Um, I, I think the way we can go about this is I feel like we probably can push the video game concept into it. Um, I'm wondering if we go even smaller 
where maybe we do put it in the 80s and it's like a startup garage video game company. Okay. That way we can kind of have them, you know, really starting out. So it's not like they're not in Silicon Valley. They're not in Mm -hmm. L.A. or something working for a big company or anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that that could be a lot of fun just seeing like how valuation happens over time. Yeah, Yeah. because we can even span... 10 15 20 years if we start in like you know maybe they start in 1979 uh and then we go forward through to the mid 90s when we start hitting the the video game mainstream with mm-hmm. like n64 and playstation Ooh, yeah that's a lot of fun i mean yeah because that's really when things kind of solidified of like who was uh how should I put it? Who, who who were the the main players who were going to be the ones in charge of video games Whereas yeah. in the 80s, it felt like stuff could kind of come from a lot more places. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think there's some good stuff to be done there because it's also not a not a Silicon Valley ripoff. It's not a Ready Player One. It's not about the video game industry. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of our catalyst to get the the movie started. Um, yes. And, and where we can go with it. So we can use that as a jumping off point. Um, so it doesn't have to focus solely on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea. I'm probably getting ahead of myself cause we still haven't fleshed much out, but I like the idea of Rob McElney, mm-hmm. um, directing this one because we can do kind of like, like a comedy thriller, mm-hmm. like a, a psychological comedy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, where we can keep the, I don't know, the female character maybe is, very similar to Elizabeth Holmes in that she's super charismatic, mm-hmm. but she doesn't know shit about coding computers yeah. or video games. She's just like, well, we have to have obviously a hero and a princess trapped in a castle. And they're like, Oh my God, that's genius. But like, what, what should the storyline be? And she's like, well, we should have the <laughs> the hero, like try and get the princess from the cat. And she just keeps saying the same thing over and over. And yeah, they're like, yeah. no, that's great. That's great. That's great. <laughs> good, good salespeople. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I'm thinking what might be, this is tough. I think maybe a good avenue to explore. I kind of like the idea of you having someone in local government uh, be a large part of it. So maybe in this like constant scheme of like tax kickback and how the company is valued and like how they're going to get their name out there and back and forth, they ally with say somebody uh, who's like a city supervisor on the board of supervisors for San Francisco. And that can be Annabelle Wallace. And she's the one making sure that they like get these permits uh, and get like, you know, easy tax breaks and stuff. And I'm like, oh, no, no, that's, it's fine. They're going to bring jobs into the town. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. You're going to see how this works. And it's all kind of like a back and forth to make sure that this uh, that this video game company gets valued as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's really good at publicity. And, mm-hmm. and like you said, she's like a she's a spin person. She's yeah. like really good at just like kind of getting those ideas in people's yeah. heads so she's partnered with whoever's in charge of the company um because they're gonna basically inflate the value of this thing so much that they can just then kind of rate it and sell it off and and break the whole thing up as quick as possible before mm-hmm. a correct valuation is made yeah um because that was a lot easier in the 80s um than it yeah. is now that's great, actually, because then we should start probably mid '80s. Like we should be towards the end of when Atari was kind of kicking mm-hmm. up the kicking up the dust, because yep. that way we're already into the industry. Um, 
you know, arcades are everywhere by like 1985, probably even earlier, I would say, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think I think the explosion of like the go to a place with with an arcade in it was was at the same time as the explosion of malls. So yeah. mid 80s on is probably fair. Yeah. So maybe we put it in like 1985, 1986. Yeah, we can start there. And also, you know, Hollywood will eat that shit up. They're all about the 80s right now. So <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You put anything in the 80s, it is immediately getting sold. Yes. Greenlit $50 <laughs> million dollar budget. Yeah. <laughs> so we start them off as let's okay, so we have let's say Annabelle Wallace as our city councilwoman. Yep. Um, who was your cast again? Uh, my guy for like the legendary video game dude at the head of everything was Jeff Goldblum. He might be a little out of the age range we want to do if yeah. we're kind of at the early era of video games. Mm-hmm. Um, so we should probably put someone maybe in like their twenties or late twenties, early thirties. Um, somebody who like is old enough to have had like a big hit uh, yeah. around when video games at home and in arcades first first became a big thing, but not someone who was like at this Spielbergian level of like the grand old man. They also have to fit into the eighties. I can't stand when people cast people that just do not look eighties. Yeah. Um, I have an idea. What if we go with Wyatt Russell? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Wyatt Russell with a goatee. Legit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we'll put in Wyatt Russell as our, I don't know what head of the video game company or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had a smash title that he developed for, I don't know, Atari or ColecoVision or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, Wyatt Russell. And who were your others again? What were your, even if you don't say actors, who were the characters? Oh, uh, I had Mindy Kaling as like the, the, the project lead, the main coder. Okay. Uh, and then Anna Kendrick was going to be the new person on this spot as the person doing like character design artwork, like, you know, an art department type job. Okay. Okay. Um, I would love to bring in Dan Levy. Oh, interesting. Uh, I want to, I'm, I think we're gearing a little bit more towards comedy, which would also work perfectly for Rob, uh, as director. Um, so we do Wyatt Russell, Dan Levy, Annabelle Wallace as the spin person. And then let's see um, who else. Let's bring in one more female. I mean, we could do Mindy. Yeah, I, no reason I, not to. I love Mindy, so I'm, I'm fine putting her in there. Yeah. Uh, so we use Mindy as the whether she's the coding person or Dan Levy is Dan Levy. They can um, both be. They could both be just coders. Yeah. Writers. Ex- no, you know what? Dan Levy should be the writer. He should be like the story person. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> sounds like a fairly easy job in the eighties, but somebody's yeah, got to do it. That's it's like the, uh, the Kumail Nanjiani bit where he's like, video games are the only medium where they are constantly getting better. You can't pitch heavy rain in the 1980s where you're like, you're a husband and your kids lost in the mall. And then they just go, okay, I can give you three dots with one circle eating the smaller dots. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, awesome. So we have the four of them. Annabelle Wallace is kind of their pitch person, their spokeswoman who is trying I, to. I, I think she's like legitimately in city government. Yeah, she can be city council for sure. Right. Like the partnership across different institutions to get this thing as high as it can go could be very interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so where do we go with it? 
We have them pitching. The, so the idea, I, I like the idea you came up with that they're basically just trying to get this to a yep, valuation so that they can sell off and get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Um, what goes wrong? I think that's what we need. Does it go wrong? Does it go wrong? Do they get away with it? But what's the what's the real story there if they just kind of get away with what they're doing, you know? Let's see. The, the approach I was trying to take with the Kendrick character in mind was that she thinks she's working on like something legit and is going to like do something amazing in her field um, and slowly discovers that, you know, it's all just kind of like a very pretty paint uh, over a coat of rust. Yeah. Um, kind of like that brings a certain investigative element into it. That might be a little bit too much for this, but I think that's, that might be a good place to start from. So you're thinking we actually have an investigation launched? I'm thinking somebody thinks that they are going to be working on a great game. Right. Okay. Okay. And we do see throughout the course of the movie that like a lot is being put into different things. A lot is being put into like what the software is going to be. Um, You know, they're always bringing in like new hardware for people to work on. Um, They're always expand, especially expanding this building. Um, they're always having new investors come in and like they do a show and they'll do tech demonstrations. Uh, people are working day and night on level design and new uh, uh, new ways to play the game, maybe even a new interface. But so like, none can, of it's matching up. Yeah, we can have like a, a you know a young and and fresh faced college student who just like got a job working with this company. Like, Oh my God, I'm working for a guy who used to work with Atari and ColecoVision yeah. and all that and blah, blah, blah. Um, Ansel Elgert. Ooh. Ooh. I like that. I I am on fire with them's castings today. Ansel Elgort left a job at IBM. Ooh, right. A at really height. good entry level job at IBM. Just doing like regular computer coding to he's always wanted to do something creative yeah. and working with an absolute superstar in the video game field yeah. on something that they're telling people is going to change the world. It's like, he's got, he's, he's got to try and get in on that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Love it. So that's so good. Oh God. Imagine just leaving IBM. Like, no, no, no. IBM will always be there. It's fine. Let's go work on this video. Game. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. IBM's old news, man. <laughs> And they were at their absolute friggin' height in the eighties. Um, so he comes in as you know the fresh-faced, you know, starstruck kid. Maybe mm. he is like a really good coder, and he's working yep. on all these things. Maybe he starts to kind of notice some things behind the behind yeah. the curtain, if you will. The, yeah, this this kind of coding you're doing, you know, say if it was like in modern terms, like Python does yeah. not work on this system. Yeah. But people have been working 12 hours a day just writing lines and lines and lines of code, and you're going to have nothing that launches it. Yeah. Because this doesn't work. Because it physically work. cannot be written. Like, it's not it's yeah. not an active code. But yeah. they're still just like, no, keep going, kid. You got this. That's, this that's, that's part of their, like, this is our proprietary in-house code. It's part of where our valuation comes from. Oh, they have no way to actually fucking read it. Yeah. Like there's no way to actually decipher the coding language because it's it's not something that actually exists. So they're telling this kid they're telling this kid, look, we're going to we're working on our own coding and this is the system we're using. And all these all these companies and these investors are like, oh, they're working on a new coding system. This is pretty great. Yeah. But they have no way to actually translate. Yeah. Every single department 
is responsible for coming up with something proprietary, whether it be an interface, uh, the hardware it's going to run on, the new software, the coding, and, the, and then, of course, the art design and everything, because that's what they sell to investors yeah. and to valuation as this is, this is why you should value us at a billion dollars when we do our IPO. There's got to be an actual moment where whether uh, Ansel Elgert's character or whoever, they're all just talking about the coding and stuff. And, they're you know, it's up on the, the chalkboard and they got all the, the signs and everything. And one of them is just like, cool. So how are we translating this? Mm-hmm. And there's just a dead silence among the group. Yeah. What do you what do you mean? How are we translate? Yeah. How, do, how does the hardware like run this? Like where, you know, <laughs> well, like, you like, know, what's the launcher? How does the GUI operate? Like well, we things. haven't seen the hardware yet. So we just want to know, like, where exactly this is being translated in the yeah. system. So we know that this works. Oh, no, no, no. You guys, I, I know you're really curious, but everyone's <laughs> just got to really keep with their stuff. And uh, by the way, we are so sorry that we've been pulling these 12 hour days. Uh, we're bringing in Van Halen for a company concert. Like it's, it's always like, no, 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 don't do the, the ball isn't under this cup. It's, yeah. it's under this cup. It's, I promise you don't need we, to look under the cup though. We need you to stop asking questions and just yeah. start giving answers guys. Okay. <laughs> I know we're all one big family, but you are on one team and we need you to be a team player on that team. <laughs> don't think about the other teams, your team blue. <sighs> we have team red over here. Okay. I, I hate that. I just said that. <laughs> Because it's so goddamn yeah. accurate, and it's like you know, it's 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 such a believable scenario. And when you've been yeah. in it now for like six months, you've invested. Of this is what always happens, and why it always takes so long for things like this to fall apart. People invest themselves into it. Now, if the company is wrong, because the way your ego works, you're wrong. Yeah, and you're people in a, refuse to allow that. You're in a hallway where you only have a key to one door, and you have no idea what's behind the other doors. Mm-hmm. But all you know is they keep telling you, "Don't worry about what's behind those other doors. Just focus yeah. on what's behind your door." Your room is great. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about the other rooms. There's no need mm-hmm. to even look in there. And then uh, you, were, you were talking about there being kind of an aha moment for our our kind of POV character. Yeah. And I'm wondering if, like, now he's been working there. It's been like two years, I think. Uh, and, and now we're in like this media blitz. The company is about to go public. Yeah. Company's about to go public. You know, we can even time it that way. It's going to last like almost as long as the Reagan era. Yeah. So like I said, it's, it's, it's like <laughs> in 1989 rolls around. That's when we, we pack up the tents and we get out of town. Yeah. I, I think like I, I'm picturing it in my head that like this week they're going to have their initial public offering in that very Wolf of Wall Street way. And, uh, you know, they're going to unveil all this artwork. There's going to be, they're going to show kind of like a, I guess they wouldn't have called it a trailer back then, but they're going to mm-hmm. show the commercial for the game. Yeah. It's going to air. It's going to air during the Super Bowl. <laughs> we'll we'll <laughs> like the Steve Jobs, things that way. And Ansel Elgort accidentally walks into what is supposed to be the shipping warehouse that they added on next door where all the copies of the game are going to ship from. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's empty. Ooh. It's like a Costco with nothing on the shelves. Because they're not going to ship anything. There's Once the IPO ship. happens, everybody is going to find different ways to get rid of a huge chunk of this and turn value of nothing yeah. into actual money. Yeah, they're washing and, their hands of it. Yep. Oh, and God, that's, that's so And good. that's the oh shit. So is that at what point would you say that is in the movie? Like 75% of the way? Yeah, 80%? that's probably the climax. Yeah, right, oh, right three quarters of the way through. And he's had opportunities. Like you were, you were talking about like that first moment he has in a meeting about the code of like, okay. And then can we see it run where it doesn't have, and it's like, no, don't worry about that. He's had opportunities, but he's been so fucking involved with this that he can't. 
and he's he so excited the dots. Yeah. you know it's it's not that he's like i need to find out what's going on it's that he's like they took a shot on me why am i questioning them like mm-hmm. i'm here to help with this you know mm-hmm. and i think i i'm imagining a really cool scene with you know ansel Elgort storming into wyatt russell's office and maybe the rest of our cast is there and they've yeah. all been in on it to a certain extent board members meeting yeah especially especially annabelle wallace who's been yeah. you know making sure they get the tax breaks because we don't want to actually spend money on this yeah um, yeah where wyatt russell is basically like i wrote and developed the most popular video game of the early 1980s Mm-hmm. It sold more than anything else has ever sold. It made a console a home name. I made $20,000 off of that. Yeah. This is my turn. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. He's literally, it's it's funny. It's it's kind of like his character in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> in a little bit, it is. Um, but yeah, he's just having this moment where like, I did all of this work and I never got any pay from it. There was no yep. rewards or anything. So guess what? I'm getting my damn money this time. Yep. And the which team is, is how it behind. happened back then, man. Yeah. Yeah. The team is just behind him. Maybe he worked on what is it? Ghosts and Goblins? Is that was that the big... something like that? He yeah, made like, like not the... that game, but something yeah. similar. Like I fucking I don't know. Knights of Treasuria. Like that was his game. There you go. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a there there was a Saturday morning cartoon off of that. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. There were toys, and he got serious. He got paid the salary of a of a coding developer. Yep. And it was his baby. Yep. And he decided, you know what? Then I'm going to make a new baby and I'm going to take that baby away. <laughs> yep. So we have It's oh god. Oh, you just made me think of a line. I'm not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. I never even turned on the faucet. Oh, that's so damn good. Oh man, it's like we're writers or something. Well done. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I can never just say those in a vacuum. You always have to say something to me, and then I go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it gets done. That's um, a team. <laughs> that was at about forty-six minutes in. In case we ever want to go back to it, forty-six minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, that's great. So, where do we go from the point at which Ansel Elgort? notices the issues or or uh, the the you know the costco factory shit yeah all that stuff if that's if that's the climax we and you know we've spent the whole movie you know showing him doing a good job and showing all these departments killing themselves over this and slowly getting the clues and then having the aha and then having the confrontation now we've got to get into the come down we have to decide where he's going to end up as a character yeah which could be a number of things we could go. We could try whistleblowing before the IPO. We could try leaves to with a bunch of people that he's met, like grunts like him, leaves to actually make a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could try um, unsuccessfully trying to stop this and has nowhere else to go. I do think he is unsuccessful. I I, I think they're gonna get away with it. Yeah, which. You know, from the beginning, I was like, well, if they get away with it, what's the point of the story? But I don't th- I think the point of the story is is why it's kind of. It's know, a rolled. bit my critique of Reaganomics at this point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, fits perfectly. So I think that works. Um, yeah. So where, where do you where do you think he lands? Like, what's 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 the period? I honestly think he 
takes the job at IBM and forgets about it and puts it off his resume, basically showing that they did win. Yeah, that's pretty dark. I do kind of like that. Yeah. Um, he basically, you know, maybe he talks to his parents and they're like, oh, how's the game coming? He's just like, I just, uh, you know, it wasn't working out. So I'm, I'm going to go yeah. take that job with IBM, actually. Does he does he get a check in the mail? Oh, that's the final shot. Him opening the check and seeing like, the money. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Um, now, like the, the subtle, and I, I do enjoy it slightly dark endings like that, the subtle implication that, well, he's just learned that he could do this. Yeah, because that, that, that definitely kind of plants the seed in his mind. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's, that's good. I like that yeah. a lot. Now, the biggest question here, what the hell title are we going with? We got to use something 80s language yeah. or something like that. What was yours? Originally? I mean, my title probably doesn't work. It was something strange about Dark. Oh, Wonder. right, right, right. Because um, that was mm. basically solely about Annabelle Wallace's character. Yeah, my yeah. pitch. Um, I was trying to think of something like memory cards or cartridges. Hmm. Do we call it blowing in the cartridge? It doesn't actually do anything, but you think it's going to solve your problem? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. It sounds like porn. It does sound like porn. <laughs> But most things sound like porn. Um. <laughs> that was a pretty good way. Um, life hack. Yeah, I'm trying to think of hack or, mm. you know. It, uh, well, if you took the word mainframe and split it up into two words and called it mainframe. That could work. How I'm about like, the Indian in the cupboard? <laughs> I mean, that was a movie. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm trying to think of like the, the oh, insult. Isn't, isn't no value a computer term and a financial term? It is a computer term. I don't know. Is it a, is it a financial term? Well, yeah. Something sure has no is. value. No value. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It shall be called no value. <laughs> and uh i think oh, what's the actual coding for that is it uh it's like Not parenthesis. Google. no value computing translated to null sql a special marker indicating something has no value because hmm. i mean the 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 poster or whatever would have to be Let's see. Null device, a special computer file named dev slash null on Unix systems that discards all data written to it. I like the idea of like coding wise, it probably doesn't make sense, but it's just no space value and then uh, open close parenthesis afterwards. Yes. I yeah. like the look of that. I don't know if that I, I, I don't know much about coding. I want to learn, but I don't know if that actually means anything. It's so. okay. If we <laughs> lie. Yeah, we're allowed to. <laughs> This is Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So the movie is called No Value. I'm going to print the parenthesis in the in the title of this episode. Sick. Um, that's awesome. I think we got a movie there, friend. We did it. We, that's did. A, we did good, Nick. These were very disparate ideas, and we yeah. made it happen. Not only were they very different ideas, but it's also so so far removed from the article, which is a good thing. It's so far removed from the article, but it still holds the grounds of what the article is about. 
mm-hmm. you know we didn't just make the hollywood movie of this vanity fair article which again that's the premise of our podcast that's what we're trying to do we're not trying to pitch a movie that is just the article we just read you know we're trying to come up with ideas based off of it it took us a while to get that evolution for the podcast but i'm glad we did Um, i've still i've still like fallen back on it like once or twice like the last cosmonaut like i just want to make that movie (laughs) for sure for sure there are some really good ones there and uh you know, there's there's times where it kind of plays itself to that of wanting to to just make what's written because, you know, that's what's there. That that's what <laughs> should be done. Absolutely. Um, speaking of uh, for anyone interested, episode 31 of this podcast is Frost in the Machine, uh, which is about the kitsch device installed in the McDonald's ice cream machines. There's a lot more going on about that right now. If you want to read that article, I'm sorry, that episode was actually listened to or at least, uh, you know, thumbs up on Twitter <laughs> uh, by the author of the article, as well as one of the co-creators of Kitsch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's getting a lot more traction right now. So I do highly yeah. recommend if you were interested in that article, that pitch or that real story that we went through, um, look up more about what's going on because the FBI is now... Uh, filing for subpoenas to to basically yep. search uh mcdonald's ice cream machines now yep. um i'm really proud of that episode and how it came together and i'm even more proud of the author of that article and the people who made that app for possibly like we're gonna see affecting real change on one of the monopolies of our culture yeah it sounds like such a minute thing, right? Like, look, McDonald's ice cream machines are broken sometimes. Deal with it. There's so much more to it. Read the article. It's it's, it's linked in our, our episode 31. Um, there's tons more out there that you can read about it, and it's, it's fascinating stuff. I've been following the story closely since we pitched it. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, we hope you had a great Labor Day. Uh, as I said, this will be out uh, the day you're listening to it is going to be Thursday the 9th or anytime after. Um, as always, if you have any ideas for future articles, future films, please pitch them, email, tweet, whatever you want to do. You know where to find us, WDYG podcast at Gmail, on Twitter, etc. Currently no Instagram because I still have to figure out if we can get those handles. God, um, I hate those guys. I know, me too. Uh, um, but other than that, I don't think there's anything else to say on this pitch. Rob, do you have anything? Uh, no, that's about it. Happy Labor Day, and remember that you control the means of production. <laughs> I feel like that fits into a lot of our episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been Rob. I've been Nick. And that's what we got. What Do You Got is recorded live at the Cape Swoosh Studios in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Our theme song was written and performed by Trevor Campbell. Additional music is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And our wonderful logo was designed by Gabby Weiss. You can find her on Twitter at, at Gabby Weiss. 